aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we are here to fix your lives. <laughs> that said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for breakfast. Oh my goodness! Of course, that screwed me up. Well, I did know. not. I did not expect that. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Sally, how are you? I'm okay. I was going for like a gen- just a gentle whisper, just a gentle, just a light touch. I just, I, I started it. I couldn't finish it. <laughs> it's okay. It's hard, uh, but we got through it, and everyone can see how the sausage is made. Yeah. What's What's on your shirt? Uh, it's the New York. Now I'm like trying to whisper for some reason. It's the New York state <laughs> seal. Oh, I thought it was a tarot card. <laughs> that would be even cooler. It says Excelsior. I decided when I moved out of New York, I needed something to remind me of New York. Well, obviously. I mean, so listen, do you, do you have other ideas about what else Sally should take? Uh, you can, what else should us. be on my shirt? Yeah. No, or just take with you when you're like back from New York to miss New oh, York. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Like rain and humidity. Tweet mm-hmm. at us at StrugglebusPod. Email us at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com. Instagram.com slash TheStrugglebusPod. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Go on to StrugglebusPodcast.com for more information about the show and show notes and also about how to become a Patreon uh, member and, and help us out. You can tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. And we also have a secret Facebook group, which is super cool. And if you want to join the Facebook group, just email us in a separate email from a question at the same email address, strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com with a note in the subject line, you'd like to join the group and give us the email you log into Facebook with. Um, Sally, would you like to talk a little bit about Patreon or the chill pen pal sitch on Facebook? I would love to talk about both of them. Wonderful. So first of all, if you'd like to support the struggle bus with your hard earned money, you can go to patreon.com slash the struggle bus and there you will get, uh, some stuff we can send you in the mail. You get, a a ticket to ride the struggle bus, which I will send you. You can keep it on you at all times. Um, you can get a pin and you also get bonus episodes when we do them. Um, I did one with my partner about Game of Thrones. Catherine did one with a friend. Uh, remind me of your friend's name? Kyra. With Kyra. Um, about and what else? Google. Oh, sorry. Go on. Uh, about UCB. Um, and we also have Google Hangouts as one of the levels. Oh, and yeah. We just we also, did one. Yes. Yes. If you give us a certain amount of money every month that I can't remember right now, you can join us for a monthly- $10,000. If you give us $10,000 a month, you can join us for a monthly Google Hangout. And I'm not going to lie, it's really fun, right? I, we we bonded. We, we had, oh, I don't want to tell people's names because I don't want to blow up their spot that they right. have $10,000 a month to spend on us. We're joking about that amount, by the way, if you're new. Um, it was such a good chat. We talked for an hour or more. Yeah. It was so much fun. We had a ridiculous amount of fun. Um, or mm-hmm. I should, I'll speak for myself. I did. Um, I did and, too. And Catherine did too. And we, we actually had to like put a pin in a couple of topics because we couldn't get to them because we had a lot of fun talking about other stuff. Anyway, the point is, it's really fun. We shoot the shit. 
and we get to know each other and you can be on video chat or you can just do audio chat if you want. It's whatever, but it's so ding dang fun. Um, so that's the first thing that's and you can do that at patreon.com slash the struggle bus. And if you want to support us, but you don't want to give us $10,000 a month, we also accept as little as a dollar a month. So that's a good time. Um, the other thing is, if you heard an episode some time ago where someone wrote in asking for a pen pal and we talked about it on the air um, and we said uh, it was – we refer to it as a chill pen pal sitch um, and you've written to us asking to be given a pen pal, please be advised that we're not going to be doing matchmaking on the air and via email because it's just a lot of work. It's very time intensive. But what you can do is you can join the Facebook group, which is a really good time. And you can find Chill Pen Pal Sitch through the Facebook group. So uh, please, you can email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com and tell us that you want to join the Facebook group and Catherine will add you and then it'll be a really good time. Okay, so Catherine, we have more than a couple of things to jibber jabber about and i feel like we should just get right to it i agree um let us get to do you want to do personal jibber jabber and then the topic that we want to talk about and then an email or the topic and then personal what do you think um uh, let's mix it up let's do our personal jibber jabber and then let's move on to the 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 topic that we'd like to discuss that's relevant to to the world at large and we will be hitting an email as well oh yeah um so Sally, well, I, I really need to know about this update in your life. It looks very important on the Google Doc. It's very important. There's an update in my personal life, the life of Sally Tamarkin, which is that Veronica Mars season four is out on Hulu. And this is a huge deal for the likes of me, a big Veronica Mars fan. Um, I don't want to spoil it. Well, first of all, I can't spoil it because I've only seen – I've only watched the first three episodes. But I don't even want to say anything about the first three episodes um, in case other people are, like, still watching it. And also it's a very – Veronica Mars has – is every episode has a mystery and then every season also has a mystery. And there's just, like, a lot of stuff to spoil. And I feel like if I say anything, it could give things away. But here's what I will say. Um, I am discovering – that I'm constitutionally incapable of disliking Veronica Mars, like anything related to the Veronica Mars show or franchise um, or thinking it's not good because I, I watched the pilot and I, I cringed Catherine. I, I cringed quite a few times. First of all, just for anyone who doesn't know the background and Catherine, I don't know how much you know about Veronica Mars, but not much. Okay. So the show, when the show begins, she is in high school, and uh, that's in seasons one and two, she's in high school. In season three, she's in college. There was a movie where she's some kind of an adult. I can't really remember, um, but it was very much like a high school show. Like It was very much about being in high school and then being in college, and now that it is – I don't even – I think it – I think maybe – premiered in 2004 but I'm not sure and I'm not going to fact check myself because that's boring but it's 15 years since it you know since season one and so they've they've grown her up and the they've grown her up they've grown her (laughs) up the actors grown up and the actor also is although I don't know Kristen Bell I feel like could still play a 17 year old 
She's I quite, love her. She's quite youthful. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I'm actually not sure if I'm incapable of thinking Veronica Mars is bad or if I'm incapable of thinking anything Kristen Bell does is bad because she's just so goddamn delightful. But uh, anyway, so so she's grown up now and the pilot is trying to make it very, very clear that she's a grown woman um, who has sex and swears. <laughs> I was about to say, do they make sex references? Yeah. There's a ton of sex jokes and references to sex that are fairly like for mature audiences only, like definitely like at least a PG-13, if not an R rating. Although I don't know, maybe I'm a prude, but it was just like, I was watching and I was like, okay, I get it. You fuck. Like, it, <laughs> <laughs> like the point has been made. So there was a ton of, of them trying really hard to make it clear that she fucks. Um, and also uh, uh, them trying to make it clear that she uses curse words and stuff. And that got a little tiresome. The other thing I will say is that when you rewatch Veronica Mars, there is this very specific way in which it was problematic in its own way, which is that it was a show that didn't shy away from talking about things like race and class, but they did that not very well and often did it very terribly. It's like this really specific, I was talking about with my friend Sarah, who's also a big Veronica Mars fan. It's like this very specific brand of being woke and problematic at the same time. And watching the first three episodes of the new season, I was disappointed to discover that that combination of being woke and problematic is not, is not a product of the show being from the early 2000s. I think it's just actually a product of the show because it seems to be happening in the in the fourth season. Um, I'm going to I'm going to reserve my full judgment until I've seen more of it, because who knows? But um, it is with mixed it is with mixed emotions that I report. Catherine on this jibber jabber that Veronica Mars season four is back. So I'm really excited. Mm. I love Veronica Mars. I love the character. I love the show. Anytime you get to be back in the world of a fictional universe that you are into, it's just a goddamn delight um, for me anyway. I'm, I don't think I'm very I'm, – I don't think I'm a fan, the kind of fan that's very sensitive about like whether or not a universe is being ruined or something. Um, so Because <laughs> those people are delightful and totally Because those people are <laughs> wonderful. They're wonderful to be around. Um, so I don't know. So I'm, I'm really torn. How come Ariel's um, a human? I know. Oh, Jesus Christ. That whole fucking thing. Um, so anyway, I, I, I don't know. Veronica Mars is back and I'm excited, but I, I'm also trepidatious is that is my point. Catherine, talk to me about your jibber jabber. Oh boy. Uh, so first off we have, I, I actually finally released a new tell the bartender after taking Yay. a seven month hiatus. Yeah. And the reason I took some time off is this, um, struggle bus is not, I mean, we do a lot of work on the show obviously, but uh, producing Tell the Bartender episodes take a lot more time just because I insist on like having 10,000 transitions and a lot of music and stuff and a lot of editing. But this episode, uh, I had a really great opportunity to sit down with Keith and Chemda of Keith and the Girl podcast. And we talk about some really intense stuff. Chemda talks about her divorce and we talk about you, you learn a little bit about my last year. And some things I've not yet mentioned on the show was just like, you know, what what can go wrong in relationships and how hard it is sometimes. And, you know, especially when so it doesn't end, you know, in the way that it, I don't want to give away too much, but just, 
you know, relationships. Am I right? Mm -hmm. But then, um, (laughs) and Keith has a really funny story. So I'm really, really happy that we got together because they're really nice people. And Glenda's been on the show before on our live show. So yeah, check it out. It's a, it's a really good app. It's a really good app. Um, I've only listened to the first half of it and the first half is really awesome. And I love the way you set everything up in the beginning, your muse, the music, the transitions. It's just so wonderfully, it's just so wonderfully produced and done. And it's storytelling at its finest, I mm, I think. Thanks. Thank you. Well, they're e- very easy to record because they do it every day. All right. But let's get to <laughs> let's get to the main attraction. Okay. I flew out to LA. I had to go last minute for work. And um, it sounds more glamorous than it was, so everyone calm down. But it, it, it was, does sound very glamorous. It, it sounds super cool. It was not. I mean, it was it was fun. It was fine. But when you find out you have to fly out in like a day or two and you don't like flying, you're like, okay, got to get some Xanax, got to chill out, got to pack. I mean, all these things were – it was very sudden. Yeah, that's and, a lot. Yeah. And I feel like I've found the meaning of life now because, you know, while I did take a Xanax for the flight – on the way to the gate, the terminal or whatever it's called, the the but the gate, right? I'm in the terminal. The, walking yeah, to the, the gate, the hole that you walk through to get on the, <laughs> the plane. <laughs> I walked by uh, this woman with this uh, just perfect little uh, little dog, and she's like, "Oh, you can say hi to the dog." And I was like, "Okay." Turns out the dog's name was Chidi. He's an emotional support animal. She's an actor in L.A., so we started talking about that. Then we go to the gate and we're joking around. Turns out she's sitting a row away from me. So I was like, is it weird if I gave up my window seat with the person in your uh, middle seat to sit next to you so I could, I don't know, hold your dog during takeoff? She's like, not at all. (laughs) Sentences I never thought would come out of my mouth. They did. And uh, the woman in the... um, in her row, I was like, can I sit here? She's like, oh, my God, I would love to sit next to a dog, too, but I would rather a window seat. And I was like, we all have our things. Yeah. And right. I and then the woman who was sitting in the aisle seat is a young college student who um, I think is still in college. And we, she was like, can I please also hold the dog during takeoff? So we all held hands. Like, it became this Aww. really emotional thing. And um, it was sort of the best six hours of my life. And never did I ever realize how dogs really change a flight experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, I feel like if anyone is a candidate for a support dog on an airplane ride, it's you. It's me. <laughs> dogs just bring you so much comfort and pleasure. What about you, though? Would you have a dog? I, it, de- it depends on the dog. I'm not really mm. – I'm more of a like – I evaluate dogs on a dog-by-dog dog basis. I do, too. Um, this dog was very special. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not into – I'm not into – slobber or dogs that jump or dogs that smell. So I, I really, if there was like an, an incredibly clean, gentle, medium sized dog, um, I could maybe be into it, but my real support animal during flying is Xanax. (laughs) I would name my dog Xanax. (laughs) Right. Totally. So I think I would actually be too, asleep to actually like bond with a dog because I would be yeah. too, too Xanaxed up. But also just to be very clear, a lot of dogs that, I mean, dogs that are, are, um, registered emotional support dogs do have to go through a certain sort of training, not the same training as service dogs, but they do have to be mostly hypoallergenic. They don't jump, they don't freak out. So even when there's turbulence, the dog's not freaking out. Like it's literally, like chill. it's trained to sit on your lap and just sort of sense 
when you're feeling agitated because it would take mm-hmm. turns sitting in our laps. Now, Aww. if you look at the uh, photo series I posted, the dog is sitting mostly in my lap because I'm the one who's freaking out more about yeah. flying. Uh, she had the dog, I think, for other reasons. I don't think it was specifically for the flight. She was in town visiting family. But um, the dog was like, yeah, I think this person needs me to sit on it because I think it can so sense sweet. heart rate and kind of like stress level and – um, so yes, they're over in general, they're pretty calm and chill. They have to be, they, oh, have, cheaty. Know, they have paperwork, sweetie. Cheaty had paperwork just to prove to the flight attendants, you know, that he's, yeah, it was, um, I'm going to start to cry. Cheaty. Thank you. And Chidi's mom, we're now on Facebook and Instagram together. We're best oh, friends. Oh, cute. Oh my God. That's so cute. Well, I'm really glad that you met Chidi. And, um, I think it's really interesting that when you start to tell people that you're, afraid of flying you find out that a lot of other people are afraid of flying too like if you mention it like you just I was thinking about that the other passenger who was like oh my god I want a dog on my lap during takeoff too um because I feel like it's it's a kind it's a thing that like people don't really talk about that much like because I don't know why but and and of course some people aren't some people are like yeah it's just a way to get from one place to another it's fine but there are a lot of people who have like low to medium grade flying anxiety that you would never really know until you tell them about yours. And then they're like, oh my God, yeah, flying is the worst. Yeah. And it it was great. It turned out to be a really good experience. So that was really, it was interesting. That's was awesome. to have that. Yeah. Um, so should we talk about the topic? I think we should. Before we get to a thing we did for self-care and then the email because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I want you to bring this up because I... Ugh. I read most of the stuff that you sent. There were some yeah. things I just couldn't get through all the way because I was like, I cannot. So I want you to actually take on yeah, the first I, part of this. I definitely populated the Google Doc with like a thousand links about this. Um, but the, a lot of them were just so, like so I could remember what I wanted to talk about. So you may or may not be aware that The New Yorker published a quote unquote expose about, <laughs> about Al Franken being quote unquote forced to resign from the Senate. Um, And it's by Jane Meyer. I'm not sure if it's Jane Meyer or Jane Mayer because it's spelled like Mayer, but I hear people say Meyer. Anyway, she has actually done a lot of really incredible reporting, for example, with Ronan Farrow on Brett Kavanaugh. Um, She's done uh, just uh, in general has done good reporting on sexual abuse and harassment. So this feels like to me, not that I'm not I, I'm not following her incredibly closely by any means, but it seems like a bit of a departure from what her usual beat is, because what this story is about is is basically about how liberals have like overreacted to the accusations against Al Franken and that everyone is being painted with a broad brush, like the same broad brush that Harvey Weinstein is being painted with no matter what they did. Um, and, and I, I, so I first found out about this article, which is a long, a long profile, um, in the July 29th issue of the New Yorker, um, because one of my coworkers was telling me about it. And my coworker was like, don't, don't look at Twitter because everyone's freaking out about (laughs) this story. And then you're going to read the story and it's going to make you really mad. And I was like, tell me more. And, she it was really interesting because she was like, you know, I saw people being really upset about the story and I decided to read it um, w- at, without 
as objectively as I possibly could and and just like setting aside the reactions of everyone on Twitter and and I'm so good at that you've taught me a lot about doing that is like okay people have reactions but let's look at it objectively yeah yeah and I mean this is actually what the person I work with is saying to me um but I do think that it's really helpful to yeah just try to it helps you figure out your own reaction. If you can say like, let me set aside what's happening on Twitter and figure this out for myself. And also I think that because Twitter is the most extra place on earth, there are a lot of times where people are having a reaction that's like an 11 to a thing that maybe like a reaction from like five to eight makes more sense. So that can just sort of, I think, change the way that you perceive things. And I'm not trying to say that like, you know, when people are upset about things on Twitter, they're wrong. I don't, I, I'm often part of like, I've been part of many a Twitter mob, Catherine. Um, anyway, the point is, so she was saying to me, she was like, you know, so I, I read it and actually like, she goes into it with the project of the profile is to sort of prove to you that first of all, the charges against Al Franken we probably can't believe that they're real anyway. And also, even if they are, is it is it worth, are, are they so bad that this man's life should have been ruined? And she really doesn't, I'm going to get to the life is ruined part in a second, but she really doesn't deliver on the promise of like, let me show you why none of this was fair and let me show you why all of these charges are probably made up. Um, and it's really enraging. It's really enraging. Um, it she she sets it up like she's going to explain to you why and how Al Franken has been treated really unfairly. She, Should we, for our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with the situation, give a very quick backstory about the Al Franken yes, scenario? Yes, we totally should. So Al Franken, someone, a woman came forward. Her last name is Tweeden. Um, I think she's a conservative talk show host. Um, she's connected to a lot of, you know, sort of wretched conservatives like Sean Hannity. Um, she came forward and said that when she was on a USO tour with Al Franken, he forced he he forced her to kiss him. And also there's a there's a photograph of her. She's asleep on a plane and his hands are either like on her breasts or almost on her breasts. And it's like a joke photo. Um, and. Jane and Meyer, he was a senator for from Minnesota, right, and also right. was a comedian from SNL. So that's a very quick backstory, right? Yeah, yeah. Good, so good there call. were accusations, and then yeah, and then a bunch of a bunch of Democrats sort of uh, said that he should resign, like called on him to resign, and he did. Or maybe they called. I'm sorry, I might be fucking this up. Maybe they called for an investigation, but whatever, whatever the case, he he resigned. Um, and a lot of what Jane Meyer talks about is how there was like no due process and um, <laughs> and that and that the charges from this woman are not to be believed. And she she points out that like this this woman has some connections to conservatives that should make us question the veracity of her claims. Um, however, setting that <laughs> aside, there, there are also a bunch of other women who have accused Al Franken of doing similar things, of being handsy, of kissing on the lips, um, like like put like put planting unwanted kisses on them, and those people, a lot of them are like his supporters and are Democratic supporters, and 
like don't really have a reason. Like they're not they're not in some secret cabal with Sean Hannity. Um, and she doesn't really do a good job of like explaining why it's she doesn't do a good job of explaining why we should be not phased by Al Franken's now sort of like established pattern of touching people he shouldn't touch and also just being kind of lecherous. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's a really, it's a really frustrating take on a, in, in like a lot of different ways. And I find it like very complicated to even sort of pull apart all the things I'm annoyed about. But I would say that one of the most frustrating things about it is that the, leaving aside the, the way that the way that Jane Meyer like reported this and the way that she's framing it feels really disingenuous to me. The fact that forcing women to kiss you is we're we're saying like is it really fair that he resigned? I mean, it's not like he's Harvey Weinstein. Like, should you be allowed to force women to kiss you? Like, I understand that there's a distinction between like uh, an incredibly violent sexual assault and forcing someone to kiss you. Um, But is it, does that mean that just because it's like not as bad as a violent sexual assault, a Senator, is it, is, is that fine? Like, is like, why is a Senator having to resign because of that? So terrible. Um, And, and I think like, it's, you know, we can have a conversation about like what should happen when we find out that these men have done these shitty things that are like the kinds of things that Joe Biden does. Like they're creepy and they're handsy and they violate people's boundaries, but they fall within this, they fall on this spectrum of what we consider as a mainstream culture pretty much like acceptable behavior because it's like it's just the way men act like they're, he's just friendly and he's very physical and he doesn't totally understand that he can't do this and all this stuff um what why like right like why i i like it is it remains unclear to me why a senator should still be allowed to be a senator after like hold on. okay let me just say one last thing and then i'm gonna stop talking because i want to hear what you have to say i've been talking for a long time I was talking to someone else about this article and I'm not going to like say who they were or anything like that, but they were like, they were saying, you know, this, like what this article is about is like, should everyone who does anything that it, that could be categorized as sexual misconduct be treated the same way that Harvey Weinstein has? Like, should everyone's life be ruined by this? And, and I, I was like, can we just like time out for a second? I don't think that anyone is collapsing every single kind of sexual misconduct into the category of what Harvey Weinstein did. I think that we all understand because we're all like human beings with the capacity to think um, about these issues. I I think we, we all know the difference between like different kinds of like crimes that's the first thing. Like, no, no, is anyone saying, like, has anyone ever said in the history of the entire universe in any dimension or in any discovered or undiscovered land that an Al Franken and Harvey Weinstein have perpetrated the, the same crime? Like, that, that's never been said. No one's ever said that. No one's ever thought that. And that is the most disingenuous painting of the Me Too movement. But the other thing is, like, 
has Al Franken's life been ruined? Like, has Harvey Weinstein, well, Harvey Weinstein, his, his life might be ruined, which is fine. But like, has Al Franken, like any of these dudes that have, where it's like, okay, they lost a job. And, and, and like, is their life ruined? Like, have they, uh, have they been incarcerated for decades uh, for possession of a small amount of marijuana, for example? Like, that's, that's mm. a life being ruined. Like, the, these dudes' lives are not ruined. And there's a bunch of shit in this New Yorker profile that are like, you know, sort of where she, she paints him as this like sad, lonely dude who's like just all alone. And, and it's just like, yeah. Yeah, he's a sad, lonely dude. Like he fucked up, but and he? he's been outed. But like, but also, it's like, should you? You're a bad dude. Like you, you've done some shit. Like no, you are not. Like we, we are not talking about the allegations that have been leveled against, for example, Jeffrey Dahmer. Like so, like you're not that. <laughs> you're not. You're not as bad of a dude as that dude. But like, should you feel shitty about what you did? Yeah, like you did shitty stuff. And then you got embarrassed on the national stage. Like, so yeah, like you, you're, you might have a bummer of a year, my dude. Catherine, help me. Please help me. Talk. Please no, no. Make, that help was, me stop talking. No, no. Thank you so much for that. I asked you to go first because I knew that that would happen because you, you were very clear about why it is. And I want to now say why it is that I totally agree with everything you said. And... um this man, he resigned. There were no, there, there was going to be an investigation. He decided to resign. Um, that was his choice. That's very, that's very important to note. I remember when there were accusations against Sam Cedar for saying something allegedly about someone. Uh, I believe that people looked into it and turns out they were false. Sam Cedar's fine, but he also sat there and was like, yeah, you can look into this, look into it. Uh, number five or whatever number we're at right now. Um, I've said this so many times, and this is as someone who's definitely still learning every day as well. If he just said, yeah, I did do that, and here's why it was wrong, and here's why we should take this seriously, and I am so sorry, and I felt emboldened to do it because it was the 90s, and they were wild, mm -hmm. you know, or mm -hmm. just admit it if it happened, which, you know, you know, listen, is it that hard? So there's this weird camp of people who are like oh it's a lie but also even if it did happen how bad is it it's like no no so what are, where are you at with that right so right. at least admit if it did happen and we can all move on we don't have to quote unquote cancel someone it's a teachable moment you know how many times do you have to sit there and think about a tweet you wrote maybe it wasn't the best because of x y and z and you apologize or something like that or a thing you said or a thing you did or mm -hmm. a play you wrote 10 years ago where you used a term you shouldn't have used you know and and just say yeah I did that and that was not in hindsight yeah terrible and I didn't realize it at the time I think that is a show of growth. I think that's a society that we want to be in. And I'm not saying that I know for a fact if this happened to these women. And also, you're very correct to point out there's no allegations of rape. And like we all know that everything exists on different levels. But what is so wrong with just saying, yeah, maybe I did do that? I mean, there's a photo of him grabbing a woman's tits without her consent. So, you know, there is that. Yeah. It's well, I we we should say though, it's not clear. If he's actually touching her, he's True. he could be miming touching her. Either way, it's like shitty and not cool. Right, right. So, OK, so there's that. And I think for me, when I started reading it, but I couldn't finish it. So all I read was Andrea Grimes's Twitter 
feed about this, mm-hmm. which was amazing. That's where I got yeah. most of the rest of the information from. The way in which the article was written was just weird. It was just like, how is this comfort of this very successful white man more important than anything these women have said? And it just painted this picture that he was so sad. And it's like, you should have seen my last year. I can barely pay rent. He's fine. Like, Yeah, he's fine. He's, he's fine. fine. And no one, you know, like I said, just be honest and open up. But he, he made it. I don't know if he actually was interviewed with the intention of this, but the way he is painted in this piece is that, oh my God, feels so bad for him. Oh, hundred so percent. Yeah. Here's an example of what um, Andrea Grimes wrote real quick, because I said, um, I tweeted, I retweeted it and I said, I'm getting a seventh job to support at Andrea Grimes on Patreon for this thread. And she starts by saying, all right, I'm going in on the Franken piece. And the other part that I quoted what, what she, it's an amazing thread, so definitely check that out. But there's a quote in the article that says, quote, there was nothing inappropriate towards me, this person who was on tour with Franken at the time as well, adding, I only experienced a person that was eager to make soldiers laugh. So Andrea Grimes says, if you're not molesting everyone, are you really even molesting anyone? Only the New Yorker has the guts to ask the hard questions. And I love that that was a point because there's always a thing that we talked about before. Oh, he didn't rape me. Oh, he didn't Mm -hmm. molest me. He didn't harass me. It's like, yeah, they don't do it to everyone. So how is that Mm -hmm. an argument? Mm -hmm. And it was so – don't even put that in. What are you going to do? Like interview all the 20 people he didn't molest? He didn't molest me or touch me either. He didn't interview me. So maybe she didn't do the right job in journalism. At what (laughs) point – are you are you making a point? Because that's not a point, you right? Know? So no, it's it's actually on. it's wild to me that a reporter and an editor would even pursue that and then write it up. Because I think that you know, reading this piece, I was thinking about like the bingo card of stories that by people who wish to exonerate shitty men, and like one of the one of the things that you can like cross off your bingo list is. Me Too paints everyone with the same brush, which mm-hmm. is an argument that isn't true. And I've never seen it like deployed in a way that never. seems factual um, or ingenuous. Is ingenuous the opposite of disingenuous? It doesn't matter. Um, the other thing on the bingo card is asking male friends of an accused person <laughs> whether or not they're a creep around women. And then- or female friends. And then, well, the other one, too, is like, yeah, asking other women. And it's like women who have not been like sexually assaulted by someone and dudes who are friends with the accused, those the opinions of those two people, the experience of those two people don't nullify the experiences of the people who have made the allegations. I just I don't understand why that that formula is so misunderstood and continues to be used. Um, I just want to say that if I think that the Andrea Grimes Twitter thread, like you said, is awesome. And if you want to not read the profile and just read that, it's a really good breakdown. There are two other stories I want to recommend, um, depending on like what you need. If you, there's an article in Salon by Amanda Marcotte, um, (laughs) which the lead of is amazing. It's, it starts, The defenders of Senator Al Franken are perhaps the single most embarrassing group of allegedly (laughs) progressive people in the Democratic coalition. And she goes on to like, this is a really good piece to read if you're 
very confused about why Jane Meyer like even went here. The the headline actually is what drove the New Yorkers Jane Meyer into Al Franken denialism. And it's just a a really good um, kind of angry, and I don't say that in a denigrating way, um, like angry investigation of like the, the mentality that leads to this kind of a piece. So I would totally read it that for that reason. And then there's an article by Christina Cauterucci, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name right, in Slate. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers in general. And um, her story is what Jane Meyer gets wrong about Al Franken and, and then what she fails to understand about the Me Too movement. And this is this piece is really good at breaking down it, like the failings basically in the reporting and in the conclusion drawing that Jane Meyer does and what she leaves out of the piece and um, what her biases are. So I would say that the Andrea Grimes Twitter thread, the Slate piece and the Salon piece are just like a really good package of ways to wrap your head around this whole thing. And none of them are the Slate piece and the Salon piece are pretty are pretty like quick reads. Um, they're not they're nowhere near as long as the New Yorker profile. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- yeah, anyway, those those really like helped me like channel my rage in some ways. It's a very interesting topic. And we we discuss this a lot on the show about that fine line of like just because it's not rape doesn't mean it's a part of, it isn't a part of rape culture and these are conversations we need to keep having in order to make the world a better place i think that mm-hmm. we're doing a disservice by not having these conversations and also the amount of times that a white man's comfort has been justified uh to exist over many 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 women or mm-hmm. other, you know, marginalized communities in general. It's just, it's just that that is a ratio that is consistent. Mm-hmm. And reading the first half of this, I couldn't get through the whole thing, and I, I, sh- I should have, but it, no, it was so fine. hard. It was so. It was so much literally just like, but look at this. What Look at what the good he's done. Oh, but look mm-hmm. at this. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. we already know that. He has a very fine catalog of comedy. I, I met him. I I have his books. He, he autographed it for me. I went to college in Minnesota. I loved Saturday Night Live when he was on it. I can still also say like, yeah, he was really good at those things. He should have been better at the way he handled this. Um, yeah. You know, and even if it weren't true, even if the allegations are not true, you didn't handle it well. You know, one thing, Catherine, that you've talked about a lot since um, that dark day in November 2016, when our current president was elected, is like the idea of gaslighting. And, you know, it wasn't a new topic to the podcast because we talked about it a lot, like in when it takes place in um, like relationships. But you've Mm -hmm. talked about it a lot in terms of like the way news is reported to us or what like the 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 being made to feel like everything is okay when it's really not whether that's coming from like the administration or pundits or just like people in your life who are like everything's fine it's no big deal and you've pointed out um that that is a form of gaslighting um and i f- i found that to be really helpful because it's not a thing that i i would be thinking about as much if it weren't for you pointing it out and uh-huh. one of Anytime. one of the <laughs> one of the things that I was thinking about a lot with this was like, particularly because I had a conversation with one person who was like, you know, the article is about, like, she basically repeated to me what the article was ostensibly about and what Jane Meyer would say the article was about, which is like, me too, painting everyone with the same brush and people's lives being ruined. Um, 
no matter what it is they did. And and I just I want to like remind all of us, like including me, that when like you, you can question, you don't have to like you don't have to accept that premise and then be like, okay, well, let me see how I feel when I read the article. You can be like, time out. What do you mean by, like, what's your example of the Me Too movement painting everyone with the same brush? Mm-hmm. What What's your example of men's lives being ruined? Like, mm-hmm. do, I, 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 it's really important to challenge and question the most basic of ways that things are framed. And I just want to like, I want to remember to do that a lot more. And I want to remind other people to do that because accepting in this case, accepting Jane Meyer's premise at all, I think is where the problem begins. And that's to say nothing of like the actual garbage in the story she wrote. I totally agree. Oh, God damn it. Okay. So, and you know, and, think, and also, yeah. I mean, I don't want to say to his credit or to in defense of him, it's quite possible she misread the body language or misread the thing when she made him sound pathetic and sad. We don't know. I, I mean, know. well, okay. I mean, you know. But you know what I'm saying. I do, except that, like, you can't really get anything at a reputable publication. You really can't get anything printed as a journalist without having sufficient like mm-hmm. evidence and you can't even really say that like he ha- she says one point that he has his head in his hands like you can't even really say that if he, like a, fa- a fact checker will be like to show me your notes where you wrote that he has his head in his hands like mm-hmm. I, you know and I'm not saying that like every single thing we read is true all the time but I'm just saying that like I don't think that we need to give her an out for the way she described his behavior. She wrote, I mean, I don't even know how many thousands of words this is. This is a long ass New Yorker profile. It is very long, yeah. She she spent a lot of time with him and she spent a lot of time reporting on him and I'm I'm not willing to like um it, it would it would surprise me if she had wholly mischaracterized his state. Okay. No, that's a good point. That's a really good point to remember. That's all of how much fact-checking does go into the news. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, so we talked at length about that, and uh, I think it's a good topic, though, and I want to thank you for bringing that up because as much as I shudder and I'm a little tapped out sometimes, I was like, yep, this is is a thing. Um, Yeah, I couldn't, like, not talk about it. I was too enraged. Yeah. And it was really funny because when this person I work with um, was, like, telling me about it, on Twitter, I was like, oh, this is I was like, I haven't seen the Twitter anger about it. I haven't read the profile. And I already know that this is something Catherine and Eric are going to talk about in the struggle bus. <laughs> Here we are. Yay. Well, let's talk about a thing we did for self-care and then get into the uh, the old email. OK, Catherine, you start because yours looks fun as fuck. OK, I raged in therapy. I legitimately yes. said to my shrink, I, I, you know, when like you're scared of your own anger. Because mm-hmm. anger is a scary feeling, and then you realize you have a lot of it, and then you lean into it, especially in therapy. I legit looked at my shrink at one point in the last session and said, "How much more time do we have?" And she said, eight minutes." I said, "Let's get to Jeffrey Epstein." And like I was on act That's three of my tirade. Amazing. I was on a tirade, and it felt so good to have a space where I didn't have to worry about how am I presenting myself? Am I yet, am I just screaming too much? Am I, I just kind of like just went off and I didn't feel judged and I, I don't know, I felt so good. So I raged. It's, uh, it's so delightful that like whatever the emotion is that you're most like 
freaked out about or maybe like ashamed of or insecure about when you're in therapy you can just fucking let it fly just holy shit it. pop off oh so good sally i'm really curious about what you did for self-care because this is interesting I ruthlessly, I've been ruthlessly managing my social calendar. I've been not committing to any plans I that I know I'm later going to want to not do. I've been, right, Catherine's slow clapping slow for clapping. me. I've been like demanding all information up front. I'm like, when does this start? When does it end? Where is it taking place? Will there be food involved? Um, how much will it cost? Like, Every detail you could possibly need. And let me tell you something. The reason that I realized I've been doing this is because I failed to ask the relevant questions about a social thing that I have coming up. And I realized that it was going to just be further away and go a lot later than I sort of assumed it would. And I all of a sudden was like, my, my blood ran cold thinking about how late I was going to have to be out <laughs> at night being social. And it made me realize that other than that, like hiccup, I've been really fucking ruthless about the stuff I've been doing and the way I've been like managing my social life. And it fucking feels so good, Catherine. Like I haven't felt exhausted by being around people and exhausted by socializing in so long. And also it's taking a good care feeling. of yourself and asking for the information that's sometimes not always on the other person to do. So it's to remember that like you you have to take care of yourself and understand that people maybe didn't mention that there'd be crudité at the party and that right? you needed to know that, you know, and they probably will I thank you for that. asking. Like, oh, yes, like, thank be- you. Especially if you're hanging out with new friends and they don't realize that you want to start hanging out at five and be done hanging out at eight. So they're like, do you want to hang out? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, great. Um, well, I'll see you at seven and you know, the hang is going to go till 11. It's like, Ooh, mm-hmm. I, you don't know me well enough to know that that's not going to fly for me. My, um, so sorry. it's, it's important. No, but, no, God. I was going to say my big thing. And I did it recently is, and I just, cause I, I do not handle the heat. Well, I was in mm-hmm. Iowa in the middle of February during the polar vortex, happy as a clam, because I <laughs> love the cold. The heat agitates me to the point where I'm not going to be a good party guest. And a friend was mm-hmm. like, let's hang out. And I, I straight up said, is there air conditioning? Because if there's not, I'm not going. She was like, yeah. And I ended up sleeping over at her. <laughs> she was uh, That is sitting. so smart, Catherine. But it's like that. I knew that I would not. And I love her. And she was, you know, cat sitting this place that was really cute. And I was like, if there's not air conditioning, I'm not going to go. Because mm-hmm. if I yeah, go, no. I'm going to be fucking miserable. And then she had family in town. She's like, oh, they're outside at a cafe. Do you want to go grab a drink? I was like, no, I don't want to. Le- it's been so hot here. I was like. But I made it very clear from the get-go that that response then wouldn't be a weird response. Like, I don't want to see your family. It was more like, they can come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right, I'm not right, leaving. Right. <laughs> totally, totally. No, and and the heat here has been like at you will probably die if you go outside levels. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it is a completely legit. Even if it was 20 degrees cooler, that would still be really, really, really hot. It Ugh. is so legit to be like – if there isn't going to be cold beverages and air conditioning, I'm not socializing. Yeah, there's a reason I'm not in the show with my theater company in the summer. It's because we do have AC in the theater, but we turn it off right before the show starts. So the audience is comfortable. The audience is comfortable, heads up. But when you're performing so and running around and backstage and stuff, it's like there's just sweat everywhere. So, yeah, that's why I take the summer. That's the only reason, that's everyone. Brutal. That's that's why. That's so smart. 
I, oh God, no, just like know your seasons, people. Know your seasons. Well, let's get to this email because it's getting up to that time. Yeah, it's uh, been a long time that we've been recording this episode without reading an email. Do you mind, speaking of heat, because I turned the AC off to do the show, do you mind terribly reading the email so I can jump up real quick and get water? Or should no, I get water now? No, I would love now? to read this email. Great. No, whatever. I'll, I'll start reading. Great. So this is an email from Spud. Uh, that is the name they yes. chose. Yeah, they wrote in which before, is, right? Which is from uh, Neko Itsume, which I'm delighted to report. They wrote in in September of 2017. So this is their second letter to us. And just a quick content note for mentions of emotional abuse and death of a sibling. Hi, Catherine and Sally. I wrote in a few years ago, right after a difficult period. Your advice about giving myself time to adjust and recuperate was great. And at this point in time, I'm doing so, so much better. I survived grad school and other hardships of my mid-20s and have settled down. I even have a furry sidekick slash thesis support dog and a cool new job that starts soon. I'm writing today because I find myself struggling with wanting more of a relationship with my dad than I have. I don't think anything actually can be done, but periodically I angst over it hardcore and being on the edge of graduating has me feeling things. So of course it came back up now. The issue is that my dad remarried about 12 years ago when I was 16 and his life completely revolves around my stepmom and her family from which I'm excluded. When I was a teenager, they did try to include me and my brothers and have more of a blended family, but a series of conflicts led to my stepmom excluding us more and more. We were not invited for dinner anymore, let alone holidays. I often saw my dad depended entirely on her schedule. Oh, sorry. How often I saw my dad depended entirely on her schedule with her kids and when she was willing to let him go. Sometimes I wasn't allowed to see him at all without her being present and she would be pretty hostile and angry. I was the youngest. So while my brothers got away to college, I ended up bearing the brunt of most of her anger at us. I couldn't make her happy or get out of the middle and ended up not speaking with my dad for a year of high school. She'd shout at me and call me all sorts of things. And being the sensitive kid I was, I internalized it all and just took it in. By the time I went to college, I really thought I was a bad person and felt so guilty. I worked very hard over my college years to earn her approval and ingratiate myself to her again. I was slowly invited to spending more time with them again, though never included in their family events. I didn't understand that how my stepmom treated me was abusive and likely to reoccur, and I longed to be accepted into their family. In 2015, my stepmom and I made amends, and for a year, it was like stepping into an alternate reality. For the first time ever when I visited, I was invited to stay at their house. I saw far more of my dad that year than I had since I was in high school. I felt like I was finally part of his life again. Then my brother died. Then a new conflict started, the emotional abuse again. It escalated and got out of control very fast. She texted me at all hours of the day and sent me long emails and letters telling me how terrible I was and trying to force me to do something I couldn't. Although I was 12 hours away, she threatened to drive over and bill me for the expense to push me around in person. My aunt, who happened to be visiting, managed to help defuse the situation. Without my aunt and therapist, I think I would have disintegrated. Seven months later, when I wanted to visit my dad over spring break, I was told I had to settle things with her before I could come. I no longer I no longer trusted her to speak kindly to me and respect me, so I declined, was uninvited from everything in their life again, and received another series of long, angry letters. We haven't spoken since. I've kept my distance, and gradually the fear of her attacking out of the blue has lessened. 
I think I'm now separate enough in my life that she won't try to reach me and lash out at me again soon. I've managed to keep a relationship with my dad, but it's been strained and I see so little of him now. I don't call much because I hate hearing him talk about anything to do with her or her kids and their life without me. They go on lots of vacations together, but I only see him once a year, if that. Somehow the exclusion and rejection feels worse than it did when I was younger. Part of me hoped that my dad would come to his senses and divorce her. But time has passed and he seems happy. It hurts that he can still be happy with this person who hurt me so badly and that he is closer to her kids than me now. I've had a few courageous conversations, <laughs> thanks Sally, I love that phrase, with him about how I wish I could see more of him and he seemed receptive, but nothing has really changed. I wish I could tell him everything I feel and ask him to stop putting me last in his life, but I can't be that selfish. It's not like I want to ruin his happiness or make him be alone for my sake. I'm always afraid to directly ask him for anything, be it coming to my graduation or joining Thanksgiving at my aunt and uncle's house, because it could be perceived as demanding and lead to new hate mail for my stepmom. I've concluded that I just have to live with it, move on, and try not to dwell anymore. But periodically, the hurt feels like agony and getting over it seems impossible. What do I do? Do I do anything? If I do nothing, is there anything you suggest I do for me to make peace with the situation? Many thanks, and sorry for how lengthy this is. As a token of appreciation, see cute dog photos. This dog. Um, this dog is extremely cute. Ugh. I'm freaking the fuck out. This is a dog I'd be really into. Like I said earlier, like I value in a dog-by-dog -dog basis, and this dog is adorable. I think it's in the hound family, and that's my, that's my oh, albatross. God. Yeah, um, it looks like a hound. I used to have a beagle basset hound mix, and uh, it doesn't look like this at all, but like you can tell when they're a hound. Totally. Like, yeah. yeah it's little, little houndy is what I'm going to name this dog. Little houndy. So, Catherine, what mm. do you want to say to Spud, a.k.a. Lil Houndy's human <laughs> companion? So many things. Spud, thank you so much for writing back in. This is a really well put um, question. I want to say, first off, um, is there anything you suggest I do to make peace? Here's my suggestion is that you can make peace with the fact that you may never quote unquote make peace because the reality is you can't control what's what's happening. And listen, I'm going to use an example from my life, I'm not making it about me, but what is this show if not making it <laughs> our examples of our lives? But I have um, not exactly similar, but I have a stepmother who same thing was not the best, but also my father or whatever. Your, your father could tell her not to do this and he is not doing it. So as much as she is to blame for her actions, absolutely. So is he. So um, he's very much a part of this, and it's a hard thing to think about because it's apparent. You know, my, my mind was blown one, one year in therapy when somebody said to me, your parents taking care of you and loving you is a birthright. And I say that to say that they have a responsibility to be kind to you and to not abuse you and to not put people in your life that that emotionally abuse you or any sort of abuse and it's on him too it's very much on him too so he's not an innocent bystander in fact he's a major part of the problem and it sounds like a harsh thing but I feel that it's easy to blame one person and not blame the other but it's also hard to understand that your father is doing this to you and let's and I think that that's sort of something to help not move on, 
necessarily, but help you understand as you move forward in your life that it's not just this woman who ruined or whatever. And I'm not saying that you're saying that, but I know that there's a lot of focus on her, but there's a lot of people who are allowing this to happen. Uh, Before I throw it back to Sally, flip side, this is not a new story. I've heard this before. I've, you know, divorces and and, and leaving situations. And um, it's, it's hard to it's hard to start a new family and stuff like that. There's times where people push other people away that they really do love in order to make the other situation better. I'm not saying that they're, you know, not taking care of their stuff or they should do that, but that's the only, not defense, but this is the only explanation that I can give you of that he may not be strong enough to handle what happened and that he's lost you a little bit. Um, again, not to defend him, but just saying that might be a way in which to sort of start moving forward. Sally, does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I think that what you're saying is really smart, Catherine, because you're talking about like, not necessarily what you need to like say and do with him, but what you need to sort of get your mind around yourself to sort of find some sort of like peace with what the situation is, which I think is really smart because there are like a lot of times in life when it's like on us to mm-hmm. figure out how to feel okay about the situation we're in because the other people that are involved in like making us feel shitty <laughs> just aren't emotionally available to be like part of that healing. And so we just have to kind of figure it the fuck out on our own, which is like a really fucking bitter pill to swallow, but is also the case. Um, so I think – so I – when I was reading your email, I like um, – I came up short when you said, I wish I could tell him everything I feel and ask him to stop putting me last in his life, but I can't be that selfish. Mm, And I I actually, I actually thought that I had like misread it because I couldn't figure out what was selfish about the, um, about what you were saying. And so I just wanted to like point that out just to like reflect it back to you that like telling someone how you feel and asking them to stop putting you last isn't actually selfish at all. Um, and it's just really interesting that you that you phrased it that way. And um, whether or not you think that on like a conscious level or if it's just sort of below the surface or in the back of your mind, I think it's like important to like understand that the mentality you're going into this with is that if you need anything out of this relationship with your father, then you're selfish, which I just don't think is the case. And mm-hmm. I understand why you would feel that way because it sounds like this whole like journey with him and your and his wife has been really really just emotionally difficult and damaging but i just want to you know just remind you that this is nothing about this is selfish the other thing i would say is like you know i think that telling someone that you want to see them more um is a really good start but i think that if you haven't talked to your dad about some of the stuff that you've described in this letter and how it feels to be treated the way you're being treated by her and the, the letters and the emails and the accusations um, and how she made you feel like a bad person, stuff like that, I, I don't know. I feel like that that's it's worth like, you know, ex- expressing that partially because maybe that would like awaken something in him. Maybe it would get you an explanation or cause him to reflect on things, but not so that's like not even really the reason I would do it. The reason I would do it is because like you deserve to have the opportunity to unburden yourself and to tell him how this whole thing has made you feel. Um, 
And, you know, if you want to, not everyone needs to do that. Like not everyone needs to like go to the person and be like, let me tell you how you've made me feel in order to feel better. And a lot of times like the reaction that you get from that person is so like so dismissive and so um, so like you know, whatever. I mean, sometimes the reaction you get from that is kind of makes you feel worse. Like, because maybe like you bring someone that information and then that hurts them so bad that you have to then take care of them. Or maybe like you bring some of that information and they are totally dismissive of how you feel, you know, that it can feel really, really, really shitty. So I'm not necessarily saying this is like what you should do, Mm. but you know, I'm, I'm just wondering if giving yourself the opportunity to unburden yourself in that way would feel good. Um, because I, I, I think that like a lot of times when I'm trying to decide if I want to like tell someone how I'm feeling or like how they're hurting me or how I feel hurt by them, I, I think about whether or not it's going to feel good to have said it regardless of how they react. And if the answer is yes, then like to me, that's like, something pushing me in the direction of talking to them about it more directly. On the other hand, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe your dad would react in a way that would make you feel like a thousand times worse in that case. Like maybe it's not worth it, but I just want to say that like, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to be as, I think telling your dad, like, I want you to spend more time with me, I think is kind of censoring a lot of your real feelings about the situation, but you also don't have to go so far as to like worry about how he's going to deal with you telling him more about how you feel. You don't have to worry about whether or not you're being selfish or how it's going to affect his relationship. Like that is for him to deal with. Like he's a grown up. He's in this grown up relationship with another grown up. He can sort of figure out how he's going to reconcile um, responding to your feelings with like managing his relationship, you know, I, and I think that it's really important to remember that we can tell people how we feel without worrying about what that is going to mean for the decisions and choices they're going to then have to make in their lives in order to like respond to our grievances. Yeah. You shouldn't have to ask your parent to spend more time in your life. And I'm going to read back the sentence after the, but I can't be that selfish. Uh, You say, it's not like I want to ruin his happiness or make him be alone for my sake. I'm always afraid to directly ask him for anything via coming to my graduation or during Thanksgiving. These are things, these are life events that you should never, You, I mean, people do have to, obviously, but you shouldn't have to ask somebody who loves you to join. You know, so that that's very hurtful, but you're being so sensitive and caring and you don't want to ruin his happiness. I just want to point out how how kind you are and how sensitive you are and how you're not asking for that much. You're just asking for the bare minimum. Um, and it's totally understandable that this is a hard thing. And I can't tell you how to make your dad be different. But what I can say is that you're not alone. There's, you know, this is this is a thing that can happen, but it's not necessarily because of you. It's not, I mean, it's not your fault. And in that sense, I hope it relieves part of the pressure of what you can do, therefore, to, to, to fix it, right? So understanding that there's just some things that aren't in your power, um, that, 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 that has helped me to understand, like, well, I can't make this person change their mind, so what am I going to do with the rest of that information? Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. I mean, be, be upset, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Mm. And remember that, you know, you can have, I, I think it's perfectly fine to say, to like send someone in an email, you know, if, if having this conversation face to face would be too difficult, or if you know that what it would require in terms of like, it would go, it would put him on the spot and that would make it go terribly, or she would be, you know, your stepmom would be present if you saw him face to face. Like, I think there are plenty of circumstances in which communicating with someone in writing is actually a lot better and easier for both people. I, I've had people like write me tough emails and I, I appreciate it. Like, Mm. you know, you can read it, you can digest it, you can think about it, and then you can write back or you can say, can we talk about this in person? You know, kind of whatever it is. But um, I think it's totally fine to to like, if that would be a, you know, a way, if, if that would like help you have a conversation that you want to have. Um, I think that's totally fine. And I just want to be clear, like, you know, I've said it before, but like, I also don't think that people have to have conversations like this to have like quote unquote closure. Mm -hmm. I think that like a lot of the, the peace that we find with stuff that is really shitty in our lives comes from just like work that we do on our own um, and not necessarily with another person. So I, I don't want to, I want to make sure it's clear that I'm not, that it might, like, I don't sound like I'm giving the advice that like the next thing that you should definitely do in this situation is have this conversation with your dad. Cause I think that that's completely, totally up to you. Yeah. And it may not change anything, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it could or it couldn't, but it sounds like you've, you've really tried, you know? So, and also you've also gone through, um, a death of a sibling and, and that's, that's a huge trauma in of itself. So you've gone through a lot and I would say, go, go, go easy on yourself and understand that there's some times where you, people react to their other life situations and it's not about you. It's a, it's a, they problem as Sally says, not a you problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You never know what um, they're, yeah, you never know what they're going through too. And, and doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's okay. Like people go through things all the time Absolutely. and they still should be decent people. Yes. A thousand percent. Yes. <laughs> and um, it sounds like you're a decent person and you've gone through some things. So, um, you're being very thoughtful and, and, uh, just know that I appreciate this email. So thank you for this. Yeah. And I'm glad you have little Houndy who seems oh like gosh. a really, really sweet little friend. Little Houndy. Uh, Okay. Do we have to go? Is this? Yeah, we. It's it's time. It's getting there. We've been recording for way too long. We also it's... talked for like half an hour before we started recording. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. We we caught up a little bit. Um, let me just let's just close on Spud and say, Spud, good luck with everything. Um, thank you for being a listener. Thank you for writing into us again, and we hope that you're hanging in there. And um, we hope that you take some really nice walks with Little Houndy. Ugh, Little Houndy. Um, so listen, uh, Sally has a song of the week, so I'll lead us out. You can tweet at us at StrugglebusPod. Email us at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com if you have a question or if you'd like to join the Facebook group, but send separate emails. Uh, and if you do want to join the Facebook group, make sure you give us the email you log into Facebook with. That's the only way we can add you. Instagram.com slash the StrugglebusPod. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. Strugglebuspodcast.com for more information about Patreon. Sally, what is this song? Catherine. <laughs> Sally just made this face. Oh, it's a good um, thing we're recording this. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so um, I, when I do work, um, a lot of what I do is edit. And when I'm editing, it's difficult for me to listen to music 
with words. So I need instrumental music, but it has to move. It has to move. It has to have a beat. Um, I can't listen to just like ambient noise. Um, so I've discovered a Spotify playlist called Lo-Fi Video Games and Chill Beats. So Let me happy. tell you something. Video games <laughs> have fucking dope ass music, which I don't I didn't fully appreciate um, until recently. I've started really leaning into like how much I love video games. And I've started to notice that video game scores are pretty amazing. So anyway, <laughs> this is a really fucking awesome Oh, you awesome mean play. scores of music, not the actual scores, like the numbers. Right. No, pick- score, okay. scores of music, but also scores of numbers are important. So one of, I've discovered through this playlist um, a, bu- a bunch of artists who take um, like video game, like iconic video game, and, and also non-iconic, just video game songs and like remix them and do cool things with them. So um, the song of the week, <laughs> Catherine's... <laughs> making a, a few faces which is I'm, fine and I'm just so happy with this okay good yeah so um okay so the song is called legend of zelda it's from the album zelda and chill by michael <laughs> and game chops and i don't know anything about the artist at all i just um this is a song i can't remember if the song is on the playlist or the artist is on the playlist um but I started listening to this album called Zelda and Chill. And this is a track from it called Legend of Zelda. You will recognize it. It's so delightful. I highly recommend the Spotify playlist, lo-fi video games and chill beats. Uh, so that is this. And you should totally support them. They have um, – you can go to GameChops.com. I think they have <laughs> uh, – They I guess GameChops is like a – I don't know. I, let me not My even get into it because I don't know. I don't know. But you can go to GameShops.com. Um, I think they have a Bandcamp page um, <laughs> and you can listen to their music Music there. Catherine is just e- extremely amused by everything that's going on right There's now. So many, so many great words in one sentence. Yeah, there's a lot of good words. Also, I'm anyway. thinking Gauntlet Throne because my song of the week is coming up uh, the next episode and I have no idea how I'm going to top this. I think yeah, you... well, I, I challenge you. You're going to have to find some like super obscure Spotify playlist to pull from. Okay, here we go. Um, um, it's on. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. Bye.